Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, where we explore the origins and development of the pre-crisis DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Age of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. And it's legacy we're looking at today, folks. We are indeed. David, tell us who we're going to be talking about today. Today, Pete, we're going to be talking about A Crimson Avenger. A Crimson Avenger? A Crimson Avenger, yes, because we are talking about issue 131 of World's Finest Comics, the long-running Superman, Batman and Robin team-up comic. This is an issue which was published in December of 1962 with a cover date of February 1963, and in this story, the World's Finest team meet a superhero who calls himself the Crimson Avenger. Now, he was not the first Crimson Avenger. No. Now, a couple of episodes ago, um, we talked about a couple of different Starmen. Yes. And we gave you a bit of background about who the original Starman was. So in the spirit of that, to fill you in quickly, the original Crimson Avenger first appeared in issue 20 of Detective Comics. It came out in September 1938. And if you you know your comic knowledge, you'll probably notice that that was a whole seven issues before Batman first appeared. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. He was a character that was very much in the sort of style of pulp heroes like the Shadow and the Spider wore a big red cape, big hat and a red mask, very much just a costumed adventurer as opposed to a superhero. But then as Superman's popularity took off and more and more superheroes were published, the Crimson Avenger was given a bit of a reboot and put into essentially a superhero costume yes. for its purposes. So he went from wearing the evening suit with a cape and all that and a big hat to you know a red unitard with a sort of sun, sunburst sort yeah. of bullet hole type logo in his chest mm-hmm. and a pair of yellow shorts. He was um, continued to be published in Detective Comics and he was also a member of DC Comics' second superhero team who were called variously the Lost Legionnaires and the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Probably um, best known as Seven Soldiers I think Victory, so, yeah. yeah, definitely. Other members of that team included Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy, Green Arrow and Speedy, The Shining Knight and Vigilante and they probably appeared in a title called Leading Comics. They got 14 issues of that which then eventually became like a funny animal comic but the, the Crimson Avenger was, was involved there as well. He made his last appearance in 1944 and he wasn't seen again until he was revived in a Justice League and Justice Society team-up, which we'll cover in a while. Eventually, yes, eventually. we'll get to that. And then in the post-crisis continuity, when there wasn't a Golden Age Superman and Golden Age Batman anymore, he was generally regarded as being the first sort of DC costume adventurer stroke superhero. When did you first encounter the Crimson Avenger? In the Whatever Happened to the Crimson Avenger backup story in DC Comics Presents. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is a fantastic story it that is. kind of uh, winds up his career. I can't wait till we get there. Yeah, we're so uh, not going to spoil anything yeah. for that just now. It'll be a long time till we get there, but it's, it's yeah. yeah. I think my first encounter with him was in an issue of Young All Stars. Oh, right, okay. During 1987, because oh. I remember there's, is it Armin no, or one of, the, one of those characters, or maybe it's Fury, gets taken to the, the All Star Squadron headquarters for the first time and there's a full page sort of lineup sort of shot of oh, everyone. Oh, right, okay. yeah. And I think that it was run about then. It was the first time that I sort of encountered them. Because remember that the Young All Stars, the issues had you know those covers when it was a sort of mm-hmm. portrait shot of one of the yeah. new characters, and then the heads round it. Yeah, the sort of yeah. the characters, mm-hmm. and that was you know the first time. So beyond that, I think it probably would have been the JLA GSA team up. He was also in the Justice League of Unlimited cartoon. Oh yes, uh huh. They had him as an old man in a version of the costume that he had when he was first published. Interesting. Which was great, and there was a, there was a really good issue of the <laughs> Justice League Unlimited comic book. Which kind of built up this whole life mm-hmm. for this the senior superhero basically living yeah. in the folks' home and you know had some scenes with Star Girl and all that, which is quite good because obviously the original Star Spangled Kid was a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Hey. So there you go, folks. Obviously, viewers of the Star Girl TV show will uh, probably get some uh, references to Seven Soldiers of Victory through. I think. I hope so. It's going to be interesting to see how closely they end up following the comics and stuff, given that yeah. some of the stuff that happens and. 
Anyway, World's Finest 131, that's the nub of our gist, that's what we're covering today. So, on the cover we have a strange character dressed in red, with a purple hood and cape, with various gadgets, and he's using one of these gadgets to turn Batman and Superman into blimps, basically. Yeah, because in the foreground, there's a couple of guys in suits with hooded masks, someone with little octopus drawing logos on them, they look very much like Cobra Commander and away from the from G.I. Joe and Action Force. And Robin is running into the scene, and he's crying. The octopus men are escaping. The Crimson Avenger's strange weapon has made Superman and Batman lighter than air, and they're floating skyward like runaway blimps. And they almost look as if they're halfway into something into Bouncing Boy. Yeah, they yeah, do. From the Legion of Superheroes, then. Which um, would be an amazing crossover. And, of course, <laughs> the cover legend screams... The mystery of the Crimson Avenger. Exciting. Yeah, so it's it's a red unitard, if you like. He's got mm-hmm. purple boots, a purple belt, purple gloves, sort of purple cape, a very sort of hoodie mask sort of thing, and a giant C and a giant A on sort of overlapping on his chest. Yeah, I think the um, I think the bag over the head uh, look is pretty much predominant throughout this yeah, story. It's interesting because the the hoodlums of that as well. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It's you know we were talking about the different Starmen mm-hmm. recently, and you know the Starman in nineteen fifty one is quite a nice, straightforward, quite a stylistic superhero costume. Yeah. I think you know it it works very well. This version of the Crimson Avenger, it doesn't. He's a bit more like the Star Hyphen Man. Who's, yes, who's it's, 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 it's uh, horrendous. You know, his <laughs> guns and all that. So leaping into the story, and as I say, cover date of February nineteen sixty three. Superman, Batman and Robin are the world's finest crime fighters, but suddenly a new crime fighter emerges to challenge their supremacy. With his fantastic gimmicks and gadgets, the newcomer soon makes trouble for bandits. And the crime-busting trio too. Why? How? (laughs) You'll find out all the answers as you read the startling conclusion to The Mystery of the Crimson Avenger. It says startling conclusion, but that implies there's been a story previous to this. Well, but maybe they're just trying to hype up the story and see once you get there, it's going to be quite exciting. So in, in the, the splash panel, we have Batman and Robin in the foreground and a very barrel-chested Superman and the Crimson Avenger is pointing his gun at Superman. Oh yeah, and of course we should say in the background behind the Crimson Avenger, there's a guy in an octopus suit. <laughs> well, it looks like he's wearing like a straightforward hood, but with like a, a very large octopus poncho. Yes, that's probably the best way to and put he's, it. Yeah, and he's he's in the background and he's pulling a lever, which is probably what's prompting the Crimson Avenger to say, nice going, octopus. Now I'll handle Superman. This gadget shoots a kryptonite ray that will paralyse Superman for good. Dun, dun, dun. Robin and Batman look really quite kerfuzzled. Mm-hmm. So, into the story properly. Across the nation, a new criminal organisation is headline news. Yep, and we see the, the front page of an issue of the Star Gazette newspaper and there's a drawing of an octopus... Literally, you know, an actual sort of octopus, and it's holding jewels and money and stuff, and it's tentacles. I want to say tentacle, uh, but I won't. And the headline says, "Octopus gang robs Midville Bank," and continues, "Its greedy tentacles reach into our cities. All public-spirited citizens should cooperate with the law in this war against the crime boss known as the Octopus." In Gotham City, the news alerts Bruce Wayne and young Dick Grayson. To Batman and Robin action. Yep, we see the dynamic duo in the Batcave and they're putting on their masks, basically. And Batman says, Today, the Targo Express Company is celebrating its 100th anniversary by reenacting its past history when it used stagecoaches in the Wild West times. And Robin says, Yes, one stagecoach will actually carry gold dust to make the reenactment authentic. Could be the octopus gang might try to grab it. That's just asking for trouble. Targo Express Company are obviously incredibly reckless. <laughs> Should we use real gold dust? I don't think we need gold dust at all. No, we're going to use real gold dust. Oh, oh okay. 
<sighs> Gee whiz. Later from a vantage point, Batman and Robin view a vehicle from the past. So we see Batman and Robin sort of standing in silhouette on top of a building looking down as the stagecoach is driven past them. And we can see it's got Targo Express, 100th anniversary emblazoned upon it. And Batman says, I'm worried. I'd rather see that gold in the armoured car the Targo Express uses nowadays. And Robin says, but crooks wouldn't dare try to rob that stage. Not with so many people watching. Then three horsemen gallop near. Yep, a nice sort of panel here looking up at the stagecoach. And we have two guys at the front of the stagecoach who are dressed in western gear. One of them's carrying a shotgun. And there's three horsemen who have ridden up beside it. Also dressed as cowboys. But they're wearing the sort of hooded masks that are similar to the guys on the cover. And the bandit shouts up at the stage. I'm Jesse James and my partners are the Dalton boys. Hand over that gold dust, hombres. And almost as an aside, <laughs> he's, he's whispering here. We're real bandits and these guns shoot real bullets, so just play along with our act and give us the gold. And in the next panel, we see Batman and Robin in the background start to descend a fire escape down onto the street. And there's a few sort of jolly passers-by. And one of them says, Ha! Jesse James, the Targo Express is putting on a real good show for us. He's, he's obviously a Western cowboy type guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Batman calls to Robin. Robin. I wonder if that hold-up is really an act. Let's check and make sure. Yep, and in the next panel... As the crime fighters approach... We see the, the two stagecoach guys have been they're standing on the pavement of the road, whatever, they're with, their, with their hands up, and one of the bandits is jumping about his horse in front of him, and he proclaims... Batman and Robin, they're wise to us. We've got the gold, so let's slam. Batman shouts... Quick, Robin, the stagecoach. So, moving on to page three... Moments later, Wild West days are relived in modern Gotham City streets. Yeah, and we see the bandits, the one at the foreground of the panel, his, his um, cowboy hat's falling off, but he's still wearing his Cobra Commando-style hood. Um, the bandits are sort of riding off, and Batman and Robin are now on the stagecoach, and they're following along, and Robin shouts, Batman, look, you were right! That's the hood of an octopus hireling! At a waterfront, as the bandits dismount and dart to their waiting getaway car... Yeah, we see, we see that happening. We see the bandits running towards a car, which is next to the water, and Batman is jumping off the stagecoach, and Robin is trying to woo the horses. As the octopus's hirelings turn to battle Batman, suddenly... Octopus's hirelings, not to be confused with octopus's garden. No. Maybe maybe the hirelings live in the, the octopus's garden. Maybe Weird Al should do a parody. Yeah. I think so. I think so. So yeah, this I mean this panel's crazy. Batman is kind of coming in from the left, and we see a nice sort of city skyline with a boat sort of silhouette in the water. And on the right-hand side of the panel, the octopus hirelings with their cowboy hats and octopus masks are running in. But in the middle of the panel, we see it's the Crimson Avenger. Gosh. Batman shouts, Great Scott! Who's this costumed character? And the Crimson Avenger says, Aha! I too am on the trail of the octopus gang. My ingenious fire gun will stop them. And he's firing a little ring of fire at the octopus hireling who's at the front. The costume's weird. It's, it's like a weird sort of utility belt. It's like a Swiss Army utility belt, it is, conspicuously yeah. so. It's like, it's like Batman's utility belt, but if you saw everything that was in it. Yeah. So, as opposed to just the... You can see everything. Yes. Moving on to the next panel. What? The circle has grown and is surrounding the bandits. Yep, and right enough, and that's what's happened. The circle of fire that he was firing in the last panel has encircled the bad guys, and the, the Crimson Avenger shouts, The circle of fire will fade in a moment, but it's stopped them long enough for me to complete their capture with my bubble gimmick. Moving on to the next panel. The Crimson Avenger says, These bubbles of force will grow and enclose the bandits so that they may take him to prison. And we see him firing looks like bubbles out of another gun and the fire ring is fading out and Robin looks twice as tall as Batman. It must just be the perspective <laughs> of the panel. One of the, the bad guys shout, Duck! 
and the bad guys all kind of like duck down. Yep. So as we flip over into page four, and the caption says, "Unexpectedly," and the bad guys have all dropped to the ground, and the Crimson Avenger says, "Oops, I missed." Batman explains what's happening. Oh no! The force bubble got Robin instead. And right enough, Robin has been sort of caught in the bubble, and he's sort of floating off the ground slightly. But trouble is only beginning as... And in the next panel, we see the bubble that Robin's in. It's, it's almost like it's taken up speed and it's, <laughs> it's rolling off. And the Crimson Avenger shouts, I don't understand. Somehow the surface of the bubble has become solid. I'm afraid my gadget needs perfecting. The bubble is taking Robin to the river, says Batman. And in the next panel, we see one of the other bubbles and it fires into a pile of crates. And Batman says, that second bubble, it's grown and also has a solid surface. It's my one chance. Racing forward, Batman gauges the distance, then slams his bulk against the second bubble. And in the background of this panel, we see Robin's rolling past in his bubble, and Batman has swooped in and shouldered the, the other bubble when it's just smashed the crates, trying to move it in the direction of, of where Robin's going. And Batman says, Let's hope this billiard shot works. And it does! Yeah, we see, this is a cracking panel, literally. Mm-hmm. We see the bubble that Robin's in smash and crack and burst open against. I don't know what that is. It looks like something that a ship would get tied up against. And then we see the other bubble sort of bouncing off it. And this is quite a nice panel because it's quite a high perspective. Yeah. And you can see the river and all that sort of stuff going on. It's We'll put yeah, this up quite, on social media yeah. as well because it is, it's very it's very clear and clean. And it's, it, uh, it honestly looks like, you know. And you get the geometry of it. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of Cyclops' force beams. It's interesting because it's quite, it looks almost like you're watching a, you know, as Batman says, a game of billiards or something. <laughs> so we move on to, to page five and Batman and Robin confront the Crimson Avenger. Hmm. All because of you, members of the Octopus Gang were able to escape. Who are you? And the hooded chap says, and this is the key. This is the key, listeners. I've taken the name of a former lawman, the Crimson Avenger. I've decided to put my inventive genius to work and become a crime fighter like you. Look here, it takes years of training to become a crime fighter and... Don't try to talk me out of it. The Octopus Gang has created an emergency situation and I'm just a public-spirited citizen who intends to help the law. In the next panel, we see the Crimson Avenger marching off. And you can see a great shot of all of the accoutrements in his belt and he's proclaiming... I made a small error in my crime fighting today, but it won't happen again. I, the Crimson Avenger, will soon be the nemesis of all crimedom. Batman, it's, it's funny because Batman's sort of gesturing towards Robin and it's almost like he's sort of shrugging his shoulders. Robin sort of says, boy, is he corny. I must admit, I love this pose. I, mean, I think I'll put this up in the socials as well. Yeah, the Crimson Avenger, the way he's walking off, it's almost like he's dancing off like the Disco Avenger. He's doing finger guns pretty much in the air. <laughs> It's sensational. Yeah, he's, there's, he's certainly... there's a strut to it as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He has, there's a, he has a bit of swagger mm. for a new a newcomer to the, the crime-fighting scene. Moving on. The following day in Metropolis, Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent reads an account of what happened. <coughs> it slips into Brandon Routh, Christopher Reeve, Dean Cain <coughs> voice. Hmm, too bad this Crimson Avenger interfered. Or Batman might have locked off one tentacle of the Octopus Gang. Well... I better be ready in case they strike in Metropolis. Later, upon assuming his dynamic Superman identity... And there's a shot of a bank and a couple of lads in the... It's the, it's the two guys in the front cover, basically. The guys in suits with um, the octopus masks are running towards a waiting getaway car and Superman is descending upon them and he's thinking, What luck! It's the octopus gang. They've robbed a bank and they're running to their getaway car. I'll stop them fast. But as Superman dives for his prey, suddenly... As we see Soup's closing on the car... I'm going to call it the Crimson Avenger Mobile is just zooming in at the front of the panel. It's bright yellow, 
there's a similar sort of thing to the logo on his chest attached to the roof and I'll let the Crimson Avenger tell you what's happening. Never fear Superman, I, the Crimson Avenger, will halt the bandits. With my control panel, I'll send my robot ram's head smashing into their vehicle. And sure enough, there's a robot ram's head flying out of this door that's hinged up on the roof of the car. It's flying towards the car that Superman is down flying towards. It's like, you know when you've got one of those storage things that you put on top of cars with some sort of hydraulic thing around the back? Basically, this is like a, a major uh, kind of pimp mobile, but only if, you know, you'd... <laughs> imagine a pimp who had even less taste than a pimp. You know, I can't imagine Corgi or Matchbox making a toy out of it. Oh, can you imagine? That'd be but, awesome. I mean, you know, DC Director, or other DC Director still going... And the way that they were, but even if they'd ever done an action figure of this version of the Crimson Avenger, there would have been a thread on the DC Comics message boards demanding a release of his car as well. Get the Crimson Avenger, real Crimson Avenger not included. Yeah. So now we move on to page six. Then to Superman's astonishment. And Superman proclaims what? And the robot ram's head is basically sort of just flown right in front of him. And we hear we hear the Crimson Avenger saying, Oh, something's wrong with my control panel. The ram's head is running amok. As Superman regains his balance... We see the robot ram's head sort of flying down and split in half an electricity pylon which falls down towards a train. And Superman thinks, the ram toppling that high-tension tower and the train is approaching. I'll have to stop it, even though it means allowing the octopus gang to escape. Meteor Swift Superman flashes forward, only to face a double dilemma. Meteor Swift is a cousin of pop star Taylor Swift. There you go, yeah. fans. Mm-hmm. And this is a great panel. There's a lot going on because we see in the background the, the robot ram's head the name of, it's the name of a very good pub in Islington, actually. <laughs> yes, we see the, the robot ram's head. It's basically sort of, obviously, turned a sort of little loop-de-loop, loop, flying around in circles, and it's heading up towards an aeroplane. Oh, no. But in the foreground of the panel, we see the, the pylon still falling towards the train. And Superman thinks, uh-oh, that ram will hit a passenger plane. I've got to do two jobs at once. Gosh, Superman. I know. Multitask, Clark, come on. The super problem is solved, as only Superman can. And Superman thinks in this panel... Caught the tower in time, and a super puff of air has pushed the plane aside in time. So yes, in the foreground of the panel, he is, we see him catching the tower, the train rushing past underneath him, and in the distance, again, the robot ram's head turning big circles, and Superman's lungs are powerful enough to have pushed the plane out of the way. If only Captain Kirsty was here, she could identify that plane for us. <laughs> in the next panel, this is cracking. Moments later... This is amazing. It's Superman flying, and the robot ram's head just flying straight for each other. And Clark thinks to himself... Something has to give here. And we move on now to the top of page seven. And it's it's the old immovable object meets irresistible force. And as basically Superman and the robot ram's head, a lovely pub in Islington. I'm fairly sure that, um, that I've been for lunch there a couple of times on my way to the, the Globe or whatever. Are you sponsored by them, by any chance? Yes. Oh, sh- no. Yes, this, this pod, the Earth 2 podcast, sponsored by the robot ram's head pub <laughs> in Islington. So... Clark and the robot ram's head collide. There's a huge big wham. Superman thinks to himself, you know, as he said in the last panel, something has to give here. And he thinks to himself here, and it isn't going to be me. Now I'll have a talk with that would-be crime fighter. And there's the the wham, there's the the shot of the explosion, and there's lots of little springs and stuff coming out. I don't know why the robot ram's head needed quite so many springs, but it's outstanding. It's like, you know, (laughs) that panel should have been appropriated for the cover of a... A George Michael and Andrew Ridley, Ridley Can you single. Imagine? That'd know, be it, incredible. It's, it's wonderful. Shortly, Superman's X-ray vision reveals the secret identity of the Crimson Avenger. Yep. Superman has flown down to beside the, the Crimson Avenger mobile and he's scanning the Crimson Avenger with his, his X-ray vision. And Superman thinks, Why? It's Albert Elwood, a crackpot inventor. In my Clark Kent reporter role, I once interviewed him for a story. 
and the Crimson Avenger, we see, you know, what Clark sees through the through the mask. Who does he look like, Pete? Say. Uh, he looks like one of the DC writers we've been talking about. Yeah, he kind of does. <laughs> Middle-aged man, brown hair, glasses. Glasses, yeah. yeah. And as Superman is examining him, he's saying, accidents will happen, Superman, so please don't start lecturing me as Batman did. And in the next panel, the Crimson Avenger starts driving off, and Superman's like, now listen! And the Crimson Avenger is saying, no, I'm resuming my crime-fighting career. Personally, I think you and Batman are afraid I'll steal some of your glory. And he zooms off. Later in the Inventor's Workshop. The Inventor's Workshop is a, a pub in Camden. Are we going there next? Yeah, I was I was okay. there the last time I was down in that one. It's quite pretentious though. Lots of old like, you know, scientific equipment up on the wall to try and make it look like sort of Frankenstein's Shopping. laboratory or something. <laughs> yeah. And this is quite similar to the laboratory we described for, was it Professor Milo? Professor Milo! Yes. A few episodes ago. So there's lots of equipment and bulbs and gauges and metal things. And we see Albert Elwood, for it is he, hanging um, his Crimson Avenger costume on a hook, handy hook on the wall. And Albert thinks, Batman and Superman just don't appreciate my ingenious crime-fighting gimmicks. True, my gimmicks need perfecting, but I'm sure the public applauds my good intentions. But the newspapers don't agree with the new crime-fighter's good opinion of himself. Yep, and we see, it's basically, you put newspaper headlines, they just sort of look like captions. So the first one says, Ram makes goat of Crimson Avenger. Crimson Avenger's face turns red when his gimmick backfires. And the final one says, Crimson Avenger goofs again. They're quite funny, actually. Yeah. We don't see the names of the newspapers, but obviously they've got some right wise. So the final panel of page seven, very perturbed looking Albert Elwood, and he's got some newspapers crunched up in his hand, and that's a very conspicuous ring on his right hand. Yes. So Albert is crying, they mock my efforts to stop the octopus crimes. The ungrateful fools, I'll show them. That night in Metropolis, as three great crime busters meet, discuss strategy in handling the octopus crisis. And it's a great panel of Superman and Batman and Robin, sort of silhouetted with a giant sort of moon behind them. It's nice, isn't it? It's quite it's classy. Nice. Yeah, know, there's a weird... It must, it's obviously a printing error. It looks like Batman's got a, a light in his belt or something that's switched on or something. Yeah, it's very peculiar. Yeah. Anyway, Batman says... Learning the hideout of the octopus is... But Superman cuts him off. Hold it. My super hearing has picked up the sound of an alarm coming from the ancient arts museum. Minutes later, in the ancient Baghdad room... The ancient Baghdad room is a, a really good pub on Wardour Street. Good. Yeah, it's quite near Bar Bruno. If you're ever in Wardour Street in London, go to Bar Bruno for your lunch and tell them I sent you. It's great. It's again, this is... Maybe it's just because I read the Starman story again quite recently. This put me very much in mind of... Yeah, definitely. ...of um, certain elements. I think of the... The second Starman story that we mm-hmm. did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Picture your your average sort of comic book museum type thing. There's there's vases and jugs and pillows and things, and there's a guard tied up in the corner, and there's a big mat on the floor, big sort of rug sort of thing. And Superman, Batman, and Robin are running in from stage left, and on the right it's the octopus hooded mask guys in their suits. One of them's holding a big sort of fancy ornate sword, and the world's finest team are running in. And Superman says, "Well, well, another tentacle of the octopus." Luckily, the museum guard managed to sound the alarm before they grabbed him. And Robin says, they're after those jeweled scimitars. See, looking at this panel, you can just picture Burt Ward, Adam West and George Reeves. There. Absolutely. It's it's literally these three guys running in. Because they're yeah. running. Superman's not flying or anything. Yeah. It's, it looks like this is something that could be filmed for a TV show. I mean, the contrast between this panel, which is, as I say, it's Comic Book Museum 101, and the one before it. Yeah. Which is really startling. It's, it's really nice. So, yes, we move on to panel three of page eight. 
As the bandits flee. Yep, the baddies start running away, but Batman and Robin grab the, the rug. Literally pull the rug from under them. Yes, the Persian and, rug. Yep, and Robin says that ought to slow them up. Unexpectedly, as the Batman and Robin team start forward. One of the octopus guys is throwing something and he, one of his mates says, This grenade will slow you up. And Superman says, Great Scott! Instantly, Superman vaults forward to become a human shield for his friends. Yep, and next panel, Superman has jumped in front of Batman and Robin and the grenade explodes on his chest with a giant boom. Technically, he's a Kryptonian shield. I'd just like to point that out for the oh, pedantic yeah. ones. Oh, yeah, aye. Okay. He wouldn't be a human shield. Well, so actually, we um, Superman, <laughs> it wouldn't be a human shield. He'd be a Kryptonian shield because that's the planet he was born on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we should do the entire podcast in this voice. So, moving moving on to moving on to page nine. As the bandits race outdoors to a replica of an ancient Roman patio. Yeah, and there's a few plinths with Roman sort of statues and busts and heads, and there's some pillows and some roses. We can see that two of the the octopus gang are carrying the jeweled scimitars that Robin pointing out, and they're running running to the left with Batman and Superman coming in behind them. Batman says they won't escape this time. Uh-oh. In panel two, here's trouble. Leaping out from behind one of the Roman statues, it's the Bloomin' Crimson Avenger. And he says, Indeed they won't. My latest invention will make them aerial captives for you, Superman. And Batman says, Oh no, that man is back again. <laughs> this is amazing. This is, this is so funny. But as the Crimson Avenger triggers his weapon... A mighty sneeze suddenly spoils his aim, and... <laughs> this is brilliant. So the Crimson, with a, there's a giant... Achoo! Caption, very much in a Batman TV show. Yes, sort of giant, yeah. Remember, all this predates the Batman Aye. TV show. So, and yeah. you know, the Crimson sort of tips forward and he fires his gun, but obviously because he's sneezed and fallen forward, the ray from his gun misses the octopus gang and hits Superman and Batman. And of course, Robin points out, Oh golly! That strange ray hitting Batman and Superman. And I love how the three octopus gang members are just literally just running past. Yep. Like, not here in the world, they're fine, they're getting away. Yep. Almost instantaneously, the eerie ray has a bizarre effect on the duo. And we're basically at the front cover image now. Superman and Batman have been zapped by the ray, and as Pete said earlier on, they're sort of, it looks like they've turned into, you know, equivalents of Bouncing Boy from the Legion of Superheroes, and they're floating up, and Robin shouts, Gosh! That crazy ray of yours has made Batman and Superman lighter than air. They're soaring away like runaway blimps. Now, actually, um, what Robin says on the cover is the octopus men are escaping. The Crimson Avenger's strange weapon has made Superman and Batman lighter than air and they're floating skyward like runaway blimps. So that's almost the same as what Robin says in the panel, but not quite exactly the same. They, um, they both finish, both sentences finish on like runaway blimps but there is actually a difference it's quite similar to when i suppose you would watch a movie trailer and they might tweak a line of dialogue yes. or whatever so, you know so mm-hmm. it's different from the trailer and the final film is there someone we can write just to complain about this sort of discrepancy i don't know i mean who, we'll have to find out who edited and maybe you just maybe we could write to them and pretend it was lost in the post yes and it rocks up nearly six years later so as Batman and Superman float off, the, the Crimson Avenger tries to reassure Robin by saying, don't worry, the effect is only temporary. And in the final panel of page nine, we see the Crimson sort of leaning in towards Robin and there's some roses hanging down from the, the plinth sort of between them. And the Crimson, he's still got the hooded mask on and you know he doesn't, you can't see his eyes through it or anything, but the drawing of the mask, the, it's almost like he's got an expression, like he's screwing his eyes up because <laughs> of, you know, he's, he's suffering from from the high pollen count or something. And indeed, he says to Robin, I'm sorry, but it's the fault of these roses. Achoo! 
I'm allergic to rose pollen and Robin is incredulous. He says, Roses? These roses are artificial. You fake that sneeze so you could stop Batman and Robin from grabbing the octo- Oh yeah! And the Crimson Avengers punched him out. Smart little brat, aren't you? But you won't grab me either. Above, as the Crimson Avenger joins the Octopus Gang in their getaway. And it's another amazing panel. Batman and Superman floating above the city, silhouetted against the moon. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's, nice, it's a nice companion to the previous one. Yeah, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And it's it also reminds me of, you know, there's a quite a, a famous Dark Knight Returns image of Batman and Robin sort of standing mm. in silhouette, but Superman's cape is mm-hmm. is still in its red and yellow sort of colours. And that uh-huh. very much looks like it there. I, I remember one of the Looney Tunes variant covers a couple of years ago did something similar. It's interesting. I'm now thinking the entirety of, of the Dark Knight Returns was, was a homage to the <laughs> to the mystery of the Crimson Avenger. You never know. Yeah. So anyway, Bats and Cal are floating above the city and Batman says, The ballooning effect is wearing off, but as my body returns to normal, I'll fall. Not while I'm around. Elwood must have accidentally used some red kryptonite in his weapon for it to affect me too. But I'm perfectly normal now. I don't know about you, but I tend to accidentally use red kryptonite all the time. I put it in um I put it in my potatoes the other day instead of salt. I, I often mistake it for turmeric, I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. But because I'm not Kryptonian, it didn't really have too much of a measurable effect on me. I was alright. Fair enough. Yeah. Moving on to page ten, panel three. Soon after, when the trio is together again. Yep, they're still in the museum. And Superman, looking very stylistic, weird and boring sort of style, is saying, The Crimson Avenger was an honest man, but I'm afraid those newspaper headlines affected his mind. He joined the Octopus Gang and was stationed out here to goof again in case we interfered. And Batman says, Hmm, I wonder. Superman, you know where Elwood's workshop is? Let's check it. Later in the deserted workshop. And we see Superman down on his hands and knees. Why is he not using his supervision to, to look in those... those um, it's like a broken glass and some other bits and bobs, but it's look as if, it, you know, maybe it's some stuff from the, the Crimson Avengers belt or whatever, because Superman is saying, scuff marks, broken equipment, all signs of a struggle. Batman says, just as I figured, Elwood was captured here by the Octopus Gang. It was not the real Crimson Avenger <gasps> who was at the museum, but a member of the Octopus Gang impersonating him. Wow. I suspected the truth when I noted a dent in the costume's belt. As though someone with a wider waist had let the belt out a notch. Yep, and we see a little sort of, you know, squiggly edged panel of indeed a close-up of the Crimson Avengers belt showing that it has been adjusted. Later, as the trio checks the area outside the workshop for more clues. And we see Superman and Batman and Robin and there's tire tracks and oil stains and there's a broken thing on the floor and Batman is saying... A broken ink bottle. I'll bet that in the struggle, Elwood broke this bottle against the Octopus Gang's car so it would ride over the spilled ink and leave a trail of tread prints. And Superman says, exactly. And with my supervision, I can spot the prints no matter how faint they are. So, ramping up now, we move on to page 11. At that moment, in the bizarre hideout of the master criminal known as the Octopus. And we should take a moment to describe the hideout. It's, it's um, amazing. Yeah, it's obviously in a cave or something, and there's, there's a few doors and there's some ladder sort of stairway type things leading down, but there's also giant sort of glass cases with a shark and a giant swordfish. And there's no way that... I mean, I wonder if there may be statues. It looks like live animals, but that's very cruel. It's not going not to have any room to move around. Well, I don't think he's a very nice man. That's yeah. And so. in front of them, there's a there's a bubble with a, a similar to the sort of bubbles the Crimson Avengers find their own. There's a big giant bubble with a with an octopus inside it. And on the left of the panel is a couple of the goons. And on the right hand, we see the, the chap wearing the the Crimson Avenger uniform, and he's talking to the octopus. And the 
the fake Crimson Avenger guy is saying, but boss, how could I know they were artificial roses? Artificial roses, which sounds like a Manchester band tribute act, doesn't it? Maybe. It does. Yeah. So anyway, the octopus says, You fool, I instructed you to trail the Crimson Avenger to his hideout after the bank job, so you could impersonate him for further jobs. Now the Crimson Avenger act is no longer of use to us. And in the next panel we see the, the fake Crimson Avenger guy taking off the, the hood. He looks like an evil Tony Stark. No, he's the drummer from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That's who he is. <laughs> Lots of band references to Yes. This fake Crimson Avenger hood guy says, What do we do about Elwood? And the octopus says, You will relieve the guard watching him in the back room. See if we can make him tell us more about how his gimmicks work. Minutes pass when suddenly... Yeah, this is great. So it's a shot looking up the stairway thing which flow over the, the tanks that the, the animals and the, the giant fish and stuff are living in. And Superman has burst the door off his hinges and he's flying in and he yells, An octopus hides behind a cloud of ink. But it was ink that exposed your hideout, octopus. And octopus exclaims, Superman! And then we get a great shot of, obviously, from Batman and Robin's sort of point of view as they're coming in the door behind Superman. And Robin's saying... We're in this too! And the octopus yells, Man! Stop them! And then the camera, almost as it is, pulls back to a wider shot, and it's, it's clear from this panel that the, the swordfish and the shark and the manta ray and the other big beastie are all in you know proper water tanks. But again, they're far too small. But I'm, I'm unhappy about the way these animals are being treated. So anyway, Batman and Robin have made it down the first flight of stairs, and again, they're in silhouette, and they're being rushed at all sides from some goons. And indeed, Robin says, uh-oh, they're coming at us from all sides. Batman continues, hmm, looks like we're on the spot. We move on to page 12. Oh, this is genius. Batman and Robin leap forward onto the second sort of set of ladders, and a couple of goons basically run straight into each other with an oof. <laughs> and Batman continues, so let's get off the spot. As Superman moves towards the octopus, the gang leader acts unexpectedly. Stop! If you will take one more step, I'll pull this switch. I'll switch that will detonate a bomb. I've got hidden in a busy metropolis street. Innocent lives will be lost unless you surrender. Superman turns to Batman and Robin. Batman, we don't dare do a thing with that hold he's got over us. And we move on to the next panel of page 12. And the Crimson Avengers appear in the doorway. And it must be the baddie because he says... Nice going, boss. While the boys are tying up Batman and Robin, I'll handle Superman. This gadget of Elwood shoots a kryptonite ray that will paralyse him. Fine. I was wondering how I could keep Superman prisoner. Give it to him, Joe. And the next panel, the Crimson Avenger instead, he doesn't zap Superman with the gun, he zaps the octopus. And the Crimson Avenger says, no, I'd rather give it to you. Okay, Superman, take over. And it's worth pointing out that basically this is us back at the splash panel. The dialogue's slightly different, but the, the octopus, we now realise from the splash panel, the octopus has his hand on the, the stick that's going to activate the bomb, basically. So, the crimson zaps the octopus, a bit, a bit of a green sort of blast around him, and he keels over. And Batman and Robin sort of recoils, and Batman looks, <gasps> and Superman's like, <gasps> but the octopus is down. Hooray! We move on to the final page. Desperately, the octopus dashes for freedom, but Superman dashes his hopes. Yep, basically Superman bowls him out with the giant sort of um, bubble that had the octopus in it that, that we mentioned earlier. And Superman says, octopus, meet octopus. So yes, it's yeah. uh, the, uh, the octopus in the sphere. I'm concerned about the, the welfare of a, of a drawing of an octopus. 
1962. I know. Yeah. Anyway, right, so there's a couple of, couple of the octopuses, goons are on the floor, and one of them says, We might have won if Joe hadn't been a double-crosser. Obviously, they're still doing their Western voices yes, from earlier on. But, afterward, the double-crosser unmasks to reveal the face of... And Superman's aghast. It's Elwood. Yep, right enough. And Elwood continues. I was constantly guarded in the back room, but Joe's attention was distracted when you crashed the hideout. Aha. So I shot knockout gas at him from my gimmicked ring and put on the costume to fool the octopus. And that was the ring that was obviously... They've got the big close-up on carefully, carefully, sort of, it's... um. If you demonstrate a ring in the first act, you will have to shoot knockout gas from it in the third act. Yep, it must go to the same jewellers as Barry Allen. I think, I think. so. Yeah. Yep, so the um the conversation continues. Elwood says, When the newspapers ribbed me, I was real angry. I wanted to prove I was a great crime fighter, but I know I'm just an amateur. And Batman says, Elwood, when people learned how you helped us tonight, they'll have a new respect for the Crimson Avenger. And Robin says, but they'll have more respect for you as an inventor of new weapons for the law. Batman and Superman are big, huge, big, cheesy grins. They're almost like, you know, their heads are almost as big as their chests. And Elwood gets the last line and says, You're right. I'm hanging up my Crimson Avenger costume and sticking to my inventing career. From now on, I'll leave the crime fighting to you three. The world's finest. Hey, the end. The end. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed Fantastic. that. Fantastic. So that was The Mystery of the Crimson Avenger. Yep, and there's no letters pages, it seems. No. In, so in the pages of World's Finest, so we don't really have any contemporary feedback for you, but we've, we've got our own thoughts, I suppose. We do. I've got a question for you. Okay. Is this an Earth 2 story? Ah. Because, cause yes. Because Ben Mendes is from 1962, but mm. okay, covered it in 63. You've still got Batman with the, the black symbols, opposed right. to the yellow. The uh-huh. yellow wolves are all Earth 1. Uh-huh. Right. But we've got it comes to the Avenger saying he took the name of a former lawman. Now, it could be that he's from Earth 2 mm-hmm. and is referring to the original Crimson Avenger. Or it could be he's from Earth 1 and, and he's read, read comics, comics about the original Crimson Avenger. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that opens up a whole sort of thing that makes you think if there was a detective comics on Earth 1. Mm-hmm. We know how the, in Flash 1, 2, 3, Barry talks about reading Jay Garrick stories in Flash comics. But yeah. obviously Jay was a member of the Justice Society of America and Batman mm. and Superman were members of the Justice Society of America. Yeah. And Wonder Woman, you know, you know, because there was all Earth One equivalents mm-hmm. then as well. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I, you know, it's um a former lawman that that points and suggests as being Earth Two, doesn't it? It could well be. Um, it could, could, it could go either way. There's no evidence otherwise. Yeah, obviously, I mean, at the time periods, obviously, it's kind of set. Silver Age is pretty much taken as being Earth One, but. Uh-huh. It's really enough that you could say this is Earth Two. Yeah, you could argue a case, really, couldn't mm-hmm. you? It's interesting. I mean, obviously, he's very different from the, you know, from the yeah, your actual Crimson Avenger because you know he, from what I know, he wasn't really into to guns with gimmicks and stuff. Yeah, that was kind of something the Sandman had when he was revived mm-hmm. in Silver Age, he, which we'll talk about fairly soon. He did have Crimson Avenger did have a gun though, you know. Yeah, back, back in the in the Golden Yeah, age, but it was just a standard stage. sort of like you know mm-hmm. shadow style shooting baddies, wasn't it? And he did have he did have like ropes and stuff to swing from. I always remember him swinging a rope. But I don't know how he actually used did that. He not, did he not have two guns, pistols? Because there's a version of the Crimson Avenger that was introduced in the modern continuity with the Justice Society, kind of turn of the century. First yes. appeared in the issue of Stars and Stripe, and the whole conceit with that was that this version was using the guns that belonged to the original one. So, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. But I think the whole aspect of those guns having powers and being slightly mystical mm-hmm. and spooky was brought in for the new one. Yeah. Again, we're being very careful as what, from what we say because we don't want to kind of... Spoil things spoil way ahead. the development for the Crimson Avenger, the, the stories that we'll talk about eventually. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, this guy was great fun. As I said, this is after the George Reeves Superman series, mm-hmm. uh, but it's before the Adam West Batman series, but it feels like a complete blend of the two. These World Finest stories are fantastic. Yeah. They're just yeah. like two guys and their kid pal yeah. running around fighting crime yeah. and uh-huh. big smiles on their faces. And, I know, you know it's, it's terrific. Fun. And, you know, this, this had... You know, real moments of sort of Silver Age charm, but also, as I said, the couple of panels that were highlighted when they're silhouetted against the moon, and there was some real, yeah, some really nice stuff in it. And attacking um, the goons uh, with his uh, Johnny Cash gun that shoots a ring of fire, I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I do like that. I also love the fact he's basically it's like a tool belt with all these ridiculous gadgets uh-huh. he's got. It's a very kind of homemade costume, although it's like the body suit. Yes. It is basically a hood over a head. Yeah, and, and, a, it, and, and it looks like he's maybe just cut the letters out and stitched them on yeah. top of each other. I mean, the artwork apparently for this one was um was drawn by Dick Sprang. So yeah, I can totally you know, see you can, that. You uh-huh. can tell. I mean, the figure work isn't quite as lovely as you know some of his earlier work, but the it's great cartoon, and great fun. Yeah, can't, exactly. And yeah. as we say, the, the highlighted panels we mentioned with that I'm obsessed with now, the silhouette ones, they were just absolutely stunning. And back in the day, these guys at Dick Sprang, they were churning, churning pages out, so they had to keep it simple and basic mm-hmm. and yeah, and clear and tell good stories because yeah. that's how they made their living. They had yeah. to get as much content out as you know, possible. The you know some of the pages earlier in the story, there's not a lot of background detail, but you know there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of action. It's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good stuff, man, honestly. So, do we ever see this chap again? We don't, sadly. And it's interesting because, I mean, the costume's hideous, let's be honest. Yeah. It's, he's another one and done, like those two other star men that we talked about mm-hmm. recently. And there's there's not going to be too many other of these, really. But it's it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's the reuse of a Golden Age character. And it's quite an important Golden Age character. So, it's nice that he was referenced. Absolutely, yes. Aye. I could, see, I could see this guy end up being, you know, like a, a designer for Batman's gadgets. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, and they could have brought him back as like a yeah, almost like a Professor Hamilton, like the Superman uh-huh. bit, uh, character to to Batman. Yeah, Elwood El- El- uh, pops up occasionally. Yeah, 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 that'd yeah been, definitely that'd been nice. But obviously, you know, it's just a, a done in one. But again, as you said, a lovely reference to the Golden Age character and absolutely great fun, unexpected. So that's what we thought about today's issue. Uh, but we'd love to hear what you thought about the story. Please get in touch with us at the Earth Two Podcast at gmail dot com, and you can also follow us on Facebook and comment there. Uh, and uh, Instagram as well at the Earth Two Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth Two. And if you've enjoyed our chat today, then please subscribe to us so you don't miss any future episodes. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. Thanks for joining us on our journey, and we'll be back next time on the, the Earth, Earth Two Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth. Prime!